Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for January 19th, 2014. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jack Steen, co-pastor with Russ Steen at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon is entitled, Come and See, Do We Dare? In this new year, we're taking a look at the many ways that Jesus is being revealed to us even still. Last week at his baptism, Jesus was revealed to us as the beloved, the one in whom God is well pleased. I loved last Sunday, everything about it. My favorite moment, standing down here with a bowl of water and I invited people to come and touch the water and hear their name. Little Catherine Zello was sitting right there. She beat me to the bowl. She couldn't wait to get her hands in it. There's a wonderful picture now on our Facebook page of me right in Catherine's face telling her that her name is the beloved and that God is so pleased with her and she just was giddy. You know, I don't picture Jesus as giddy, but maybe he was that day on the day of his baptism when he heard his name called. I loved last Sunday in hearing Jesus revealed as beloved. We had an opportunity to hear our own names called, and we came forward and we touched the water. And I am 100% convinced that we need to be hearing that about ourselves and learning how to say it to others. In a world where name-calling is killing us, we need to be reminded that God does love us and that God is well-pleased with us. But today's revelation is a bit more tricky. John the Baptist announces to a few of John's own followers, I wish he had just kept it simple. I wish he had said to that small group gathered there, Here, look, here he is, the beloved, you know, the one that pleases God so much. But that's not how he introduces him. We will find in these coming weeks that Jesus was revealed to lots of folks in lots of different ways. I guess we ought to see that as good news, that Jesus can come uniquely to each one of us right in the places where we specifically need him. He is not a one-size-fits-all model. But let's be honest. Beloved, I get. Lamb of God, not so much. In today's text, we get these three images, Lamb of God, Son of God, Messiah. John the Baptist sees Jesus coming towards him just the day after he had baptized him, and he announces, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, maybe that meant something to the folks back then. I'm positive it did. There are all kinds of scholarly theories about how the folks would have heard this particular title. For us, I find it a bit lacking. I hear Lamb of God, and I can only think of a Billy Graham crusade with 10,000 verses of just as I am, O Lamb of God, I come. I told Monty, don't milk it too much today. I don't know if we can take it. But they would have understood it as the Passover lamb or the lamb referenced back to that story of the sacrifice of a son 
and instead a lamb is found in the thicket. Or maybe there's a, a lamb in Revelation that is taught. There are all kinds of theories about what this lamb represented. Theologians spend pages and pages trying to figure this out. Trust me, pages and pages trying to figure this out. For me, the Lamb of God just doesn't speak in any deep and personal way in today's culture. Maybe the Lamb of God has not been revealed to me yet. But you can't just stop with Lamb of God. It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now that's a high calling. This is an introduction to Jesus, make no mistake about it, that says this is a big deal. The sin of the world? Really? We've all heard the age-old traditional understanding of why Jesus came into this world to die for my sins, to die for your sins, so that we might all be saved. But in John's telling, Jesus wasn't so interested in my little stuff or your little stuff as he was interested in a global, systemic brokenness, sin, poverty, injustice, war, or maybe even more generic, brokenness, separation, chaos. This is the stuff of life that held Jesus' attention and interest. You know, it's the stuff that seems too big for us, too far out of our reach to be able to make a difference, this Lamb of God stuff. So if I'm right, in essence, what John the Baptist was announcing and revealing was here's the Lamb of God and you better buckle up because he's about to turn the world upside down. However, they heard this revelation. They were left speechless and in awe and maybe a little bit nervous. When was the last time that Jesus left you speechless and in awe? And has he ever made you nervous. If he hasn't, then you have missed this revelation of Jesus. Jesus should make you squirm in your seat. Jesus should make your toes sore because they have been stepped on so many times. Most of the time when Jesus makes folks nervous, it has something to do with fearing the fires of hell. Jesus should make us speechless and in awe and a bit nervous in the way that we live, not in the way that we die. Those disciples of John, those devotees of John the baptizer dropped their jaws and just fell in line behind Jesus when John announced him as the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. Who wouldn't want to follow that? They didn't say a word. They were just spellbound. They followed him, leaving John in the dust. And they followed in Jesus' footsteps until finally he turns around and asks them, what are you looking for? 
Now this is how the writer of the Gospel of John tells the story of the calling of the first disciples. And it's so very different from the way Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell it. Go back and compare them sometime. I like John's rendition the best. Those disciples are so clueless. I can relate to that. And yet they are so taken that they don't even know what to say. What are you looking for? This must be how we all look, kind of aimlessly wandering, trying to find our way, seeking that which will bring us fulfillment and wholeness and a sense of joy and meaning in life. We just wander a bit, following after any and everything we think might just be what we are looking for. Makes me think of the old U2 song, Every Sermon is a Good One, if you can bring Bono into it. I've climbed the highest mountain, I've run through the fields, I've run, I've crawled, I've scaled the city walls, and I still hadn't found what I'm looking for. So these would-be disciples of Jesus are standing there, dumbstruck. And after what I picture being a lot of fumbling and mumbling for a sensible answer to his deep question, what are you looking for, these two devotees of John answer Jesus with a question where are you staying really that's all you got where are you staying he just asked life's deepest deepest question what are you looking for hmm where are you staying it doesn't go kind of response is this? This is the Lamb of God for Pete's sake. That's a good line. I had to get that in there. Get it, Peter? Where are you staying? Jesus takes it in stride, smiles a bit, shakes his head and says, come and see. And with that, their lives are changed forever. Come and see is often all it takes. Now the gospel writer is careful to tell us it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, so naturally they were going to have to have a sleepover because you can't travel late into the night. There's no telling where Jesus was staying or with whom. There's no telling who all was actually there. I can't help but wonder if there were some extras at the table for supper that night. A homeless person or maybe someone who was hungry. Perhaps a grief-stricken widow or two and maybe an orphan. Of course, I'm making this up, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Because come and see who I am, how I think, the way I live. Come and see the things that are important to me. Come and see my life, my values, my way. Well, they must have found what they were looking for. Because after only one day, Andrew runs off and gets his brother Simon and says, you got to come see this. G John has introduced Jesus to us as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and we think he's the Son of God and the Messiah. you got to come and see this. Come and see was so compelling that Simon dropped what he was doing right in that moment and went to check it out, and practically on the spot... Jesus saw something in Simon that caused him to say, you, Simon, are a rock. 
I'm going to call you Peter. So what are you looking for? Are you looking for the one that will call you beloved and remind you that God is so very pleased with you? I hope so. Because you are going to need that if you ever decide to look for the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I think most folks are looking for a sense of purpose and meaning. I think most folks are looking for happiness and contentment. I think most folks are looking for validation and approval. I think most folks are looking for wholeness and healing. And I think most folks still haven't found what they're looking for. I think that might be because most folks are looking for something that will change their little small world, and that's okay. It's understandable. Most of us aren't looking for ways to change the world. John announces Jesus as the one who's going to change the world, the one who will take on all the brokenness and pain and chaos and suffering and separation. And let's be honest, I, we're just not looking for that. That's too big. That's too difficult. It's too demanding. It's too all-encompassing. I want last week's revelation where I learned that I was beloved, that God is so pleased with me. This week's revelation, it's just too hard. <laughs> Lamb of God who's interested in saving the world? How did he convince Andrew and the other unnamed disciple and Simon P Peter to follow him with that? How might he convince you? The Lamb of God is interested in the poor and the outcast, period. The Lamb of God is interested in those who are different and not included, period. The Lamb of God is interested in the broken ones, no matter why they are broken, even if it's their own fault. Period. Last week, the beloved was interested in me. This week, the Lamb of God is interested in the world and all of its brokenness. One writer put it this way, Jesus was a social radical through word and deed, he undermined human values and institutions that created distinctions or belonging or exclusion. He addressed himself to the margins of humanity. The unclean made clean. The shamed were honored. He made royalty of beggars and prostitutes. He declared the last first and the first last. We've heard this a thousand times. We just don't buy it. To the poor, he was good news. 
In him, Christians discovered a gracious God whose table includes all, but especially those excluded from all human tables. This is what it means for Jesus to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole wide world. Do we dare come and see this Jesus? With all of our prejudices and all in our judgmental nature, do we dare come and see this Jesus? Martin Marty gives a story to show us this Jesus. He was preaching a sermon about who Jesus was and how he worked, and he was telling about how an atheist that he knew described Jesus. This is the atheist description of Jesus. All I know about Jesus, he says, is he never used a gun. He had no use for money. He never burned anyone at the stake. And by God, he never turned his back on anybody. With that story, Marty heard sobs coming from the back of the sanctuary. Sobs, loud aching sobs. When Marty spoke with the grown sobbing man after the service, he said, what, what's happening? What's going on? And the man said, it was the last phrase of your story that did it. Jesus never turned his back on anybody. I couldn't help it, the man said. That picture of Jesus really hit me because I believe in it and I'm not up to it. You see, I turned my back on my own son and he's gone. It turned out that the son had been a defiant dropout and druggie. One weekend when his parents were gone against their orders, the son hosted a party. I know that never happens, teenagers. Somehow the family home caught on fire and most of what was dear to that family was destroyed in the flames. And the, the father, upon his return in rage, turned his back on the son who disappeared and the man had not seen him since. The man's sobs were for himself because he couldn't live up to a Jesus who by God would never turn his back on anyone. He couldn't live up to a Jesus whose mission it was to save the world. Beloved, come and see. Do you dare? May it be so. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.